This podcast is intended for mature audiences. Listener discretion is advised. We understand that some of our opinions will not be shared with many people and hope you can still bear with us in order to hear amazing Wisconsin-based stories. We are not licensed therapists or able to give legal advice by any means. Our show notes will provide all of our source materials included for each episode. Now Now on on to to the the show. case of Felicia Alkinson. I got my sources from WXOW.com, Channel 3000, WWIS Radio, and the Monroe County Herald. Okay. So, in this day and age with all of the video surveillance and technology and Big Brother monitoring, it is baffling to me, and I know we've talked about this numerous times, that a human being can go missing, especially a fully grown adult. Right. Um, unless it's willingly, because then that's thoughtfully planned out, and that is understandable, but this is not that case, so I just don't get it, how people can do that, or how that happens. Maybe they don't show up on camera. For some reason, I barely show up on the cameras at work. Like, everybody else shows up, and I don't, so I decided I was a vampire. <laughs> Maybe it's something like that. Yeah, that is weird. It is weird. So, Felicia uh, Helgenson Wana, at the age of 50 years old, was last seen on December 29th at 11 a.m. in the Tomaha area on Bluebird Avenue. It was reported that her front door was left wide open and her lights in her house were left on. That's, it's cold to be leaving your door open. And, like, who does that? Nobody does that unless, like, they're not thinking about that. You know what I mean? Maybe, like, summer, if you're still up doing something. Yeah. I guess. <laughs> You're like, yeah, not me, but okay. And I even like for for the lights. I know some people leave their lights on, but like I don't. I don't know. I everything's off and I leave daylight on to keep the demons out. Okay. <laughs> it's a thing. Right. Authorities, which include the Ho Chunk Police Department and Monroe County Sheriff's Office, continue their search for Felicia. They have issued a new person, a missing person poster, which contained two new photos of her. Details on the where the photos were from or when they were taken weren't immediately made available, although it looks like they are from a store, possibly a Walmart. Mm-hmm. So she was caught on surveillance during her missing period, which That's is interesting. And then they 
made a new poster and added those pictures of her. Okay. Which is, this is just super weird. It is. So authorities speculate that she may be in the Fonalak County area, but she has not been able to be pinpointed yet. However, there were also reports that she was possibly in La Crosse on January 3rd, which is one is over here and the other one's over there. Like there's, it's not close by. No. Fond du Lac and La Crosse. No. So. But why did, but Toma and La Crosse are close to each other. So why did she come? Exactly. It just doesn't make any sense. To Fond du Lac. Okay. No, it doesn't. I'm confused. She is believed to be in a 2016 white Toyota RAV4, and the license plate is number ADE3056. So let's talk about Felicia. She is a Native American. She is approximately 5'4 five, uh, five and weighs approximately 198 pounds. She has straight shoulder length brown hair and brown eyes. She also has the name Mark tattooed on her wrist along with Eric on her back and a tattoo on her right ankle and right leg. Doesn't say what kind of tattoos, but that's all I got. Um, She wears both contact lenses and glasses, according to authorities, and she also has a mole on her right cheek and a pierced left ear. Okay. Authorities are concerned she may have be having a mental health crisis, and that's why... Oh, that would make sense, that she's just, like, wandering. Right. So this is why this is so important, because mm-hmm. this may be a crisis, and, like, she meets the wrong person, and it can go south real fast. Right. Um, the posters ask for help from anyone who may have seen Felicia and urges them to contact the nearest law enforcement agency, her mother Barbara is very worried and asked the police to also contact her at 608-387-0623. And this is why I wanted to cover this one because I know she's an adult and I know that she's been uh, captured on camera, mm-hmm. but her mom knows her Yeah, and her family is very concerned about yeah. her and the, her, you know, her community are they know that this is going to be like an unsafe situation if it if it goes that way so right. this is why I wanted to cover it so anyone with information can also contact the Ho Chunk Police Department at 715-284-2658 you can specifically ask for the police chief Zachary Quake Quakenbush or the Monroe County Sheriff's Office at 608-269-6333. Although she has been spotted walking around the Ho-Chunk Nation Police uh, Department along with her family, like I said, consider her a missing and endangered tribal member. Um, There are history of mental health concerns and is considered to be in a possible crisis. I hope that she is found and Mm -hmm. she's found safe and unharmed and that her family gets some answers. Um, I just hope that she's in a good place right now. Yeah, that's scary. I've seen another case similar to this, not in Wisconsin, but the girl had gone missing and then somebody at a dollar general states away. Wow. Said 
like I she looks familiar and they went through the footage and they're like it was definitely her and then her car was outside but the receipts and or anything weren't in the car from her purchases like and they said she looked lost in the footage right and then she didn't come back to her car and she just disappeared again right so, yeah it it could be uh yeah a bad situation um so if you yeah. see we're obviously gonna we always post pictures but mm-hmm. um be on the lookout if you see this woman um like i said uh, tattoos of mark and eric um yeah. and hopefully we can get her home yeah hopefully she can get help that she needs yeah exactly so that is the missing persons case of felicia helgenson wana great job thank you all right, today I'm going to tell the story of the murder of Ken Yedis. And my source today is centralwisconsinnews.com. And all right, on a, I don't know why I was going to say October. <laughs> on August 30th, of 2006, police found Ken Yedis dead in his bed next to a piece of paper with the word bitch written on it and a knife through the note. That is. Oh, my God. Yeah. At, and this happened at his Dill Creek Farm property. That is intense. Yeah. Somebody was having some anger. Uh, yeah. When law enforcement came across his body, they concluded that he had suffered two shotgun wounds that resulted in his tragic death. The wounds were from a 20-gauge shotgun, and he was shot in his chest and another injury to his back. Immediately, local investigators questioned the man's wife, Cindy Schultz Yedis, and she was like, no, it wasn't me. And she had five other people that she was pointing the finger at. Okay. And one of these people was the actor Butch Patrick that was from the Munsters. Have you ever seen that? No. It's kind of like Adam's Family. Oh, okay. It was like an older show. And... Yeah, she's like, it was him. Wait, is he from this area? Like, was she just saying this actor is at fault? Um, apparently, they had some connection. Wow, that is crazy. Yeah, it wasn't just like she like watched the TV show. That's what I was, was thinking. Him. I'm like, she, okay. she, she might have, though. <laughs> and so... Cindy said her and Ken had filed a $300,000 lawsuit against Butch and other individuals mentioned in the filing that they this was the motive was this lawsuit so Butch and the other people named in the lawsuit were mad about the lawsuit so they were going to kill Ken I don't know why they didn't want to kill Cindy as well but right apparently she's too fabulous (laughs) So when they questioned Butch, the Monsters actor, he recalled meeting Cindy and Ken at the Monster Hall Raceway in 2006, the same year the lawsuit was filed and the same year that Ken had died. So they said, according to Cindy, there was a conspiracy to cover up financial crimes that was going on at the Monster Hall Raceway. I don't know what kind of story. She has, like, quite the story. Yeah. Like, they were embezzling money. They needed to cover it up. She filed a lawsuit. But nobody's really going for this besides Cindy's attorney. 
Oh. <laughs> I don't like, know how much she paid him, but he's like, yep. Yep, absolutely. Absolutely, Cindy. There's no holes in this. <laughs> no holes in your story, Cindy. So, on November 27th of 2019, Cindy was arrested for Ken's homicide. And then, through her attorney, she put forth an... Uh, Evidence of a third-party perpetrator. So she's like, you if you believe that somebody else committed the crime you're accused of, you have to file notice with the court. So they filed the notice that there is a third-party perpetrator. And then a motion hearing was held on February 19th of 2021. So Judge Mike Moran could consider the admissibility of the third-party perpetrator defense and some other issues that the prosecution and defense raised. And they asked the prosecutor, like, do you object to this? And he's like, no, put forth your story. (laughs) He's like, I want to hear this shit. No objection. Let's do this. (laughs) I love that. Uh, Me too. And so the police and the prosecutors believe that Cindy shot her husband to death in order to cash in on various life insurance policies and to benefit financially from a will that also may have been forged. Oh, my God. Like, and she's going off blaming Butch Cassidy. Like, what the hell? (laughs) She's a crazy woman. So, allegedly. No, she's she's convicted. She really is. So, the motion filed by Gray alleges that Four men drove to the Yedis residence on August 29th, 2006, and three people went inside. And the driver later told people that he heard gunshots coming from inside the residence. According to this theory, the four men were hired by the owner of the Monster Hall racetrack and campground located east of Unity, who was allegedly trying to cover acts of security fraud that was committed against Ken Yedis and another investor in the racetrack. This motion included statements from multiple individuals who told police that the driver of the getaway car confessed to the crime at various times since the murder. So, Cindy is not the only one saying this. I don't know if these are Cindy's friends. Right. Or if maybe Cindy's version is true. I mean, <laughs> there there are conspiracies that hold up that are that sound far crazier than this. Right. Like... Have you heard of the lizard people conspiracy? Oh, yes. That that freaks me out. I know. Me too. And, you know, people believe that. Yeah. I don't know if I believe it. I don't want to. No, some of our politicians do look like lizards, though. Yeah, God. (laughs) (laughs) So, one of the witnesses said that the driver called her crying and frightening, expressing a worry that he would be killed by the other people that were involved in Ken Yudis' murder. But in 2017, an interview with one of the detectives working the case said a pair of witnesses said the alleged driver told them that after he heard the gunshots, the other three men got in the car and said, let's go, let's go, we have to get out of here. They claimed that then one of the alleged perpetrators fled to Georgia, another went to California, and the other three remained in the area. Wow. Her motion also suggests that the murder weapon, a shotgun, may have been buried under some concrete that was poured by two of the perpetrators a couple of days after the murder. This is, like, craziness. Right? In discussing a possible motive for the murder, Cindy's attorney points out that his client and her husband were in the middle of a contentious lawsuit filed against the alleged ringleader of the murder plot. 
The person had allegedly stolen $300,000 from the racetrack and was facing possible charges of security fraud due to Yedis' allegations. All these allegations were documented by court proceedings that occurred shortly before Ken's murder. But Cindy's attorney's motion also included an allegation involving Yedis' alleged involvement with a substantial amount of drug dealing in the area of Marathon County with these five men. Oh, just keeps getting deeper. Yeah. However, Yedis was never charged with a drug-related crime, and the police have never publicly said anything about that being a possible motive. It doesn't mean it wasn't, but the police have never verified that. So at this point, that's just a story. Right. It may be true. It may not be true. But the police say that Cindy's claims were ruled out after they... Um, investigated and revealed that Butch was not in the vicinity that Wednesday that Ken's tragedy took place. And according to crime lab witnesses, there is no evidence of Patrick or the four other men inside the Yudis' home or on pieces of paper and a knife left at this um, scene that had DNA evidence on them. So none of the DNA matched with any of these people. Butch, who was supposed to be the one that organized this whole situation, wasn't even there. Wasn't even in town. Right. So none of this is really adding up in real evidence. Right. No. It's just, it sounds good. It sounds. It's like a very interesting movie plot. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I feel like it could happen, but. Mm -hmm. It could. um, It's not pointing in that direction, in my opinion. No, not so much in mine either. It seems a little exaggerated. And if we don't got Dana, then we got nothing. Right, we need some evidence. Yeah. These stories aren't really doing it. No. But, you know, Cindy's going to keep saying that she didn't do it. But the jury, however, after hearing all the evidence, was like, you know what, Cindy? You did do it. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you know what, Cindy? <laughs> you know, Cindy, your story was good. It was fun. It was entertaining. Yeah, I'm glad that they allowed it. I'm glad that we're here and we got yeah. that. But if I'm going to be on a jury, I would like it to be interesting. Me too. Like, I don't want it to be because somebody ran a stop sign. Like, no. And I don't want to be like in one of those cases where the jurors are just so over it. They're sleeping. Yeah. I don't, but I also don't want to be sequestered for like months and I don't get to come see my dogs or I like that. I see my dogs before my husband. (laughs) I love, I love my husband more, obviously, but, (laughs) but I mean, he could. He could come see me. That's the point. Yeah. yeah. So I, yeah. you can't bring dogs anywhere. No. Okay. They apparently should... that's not true though, because every time that I go to the Home Depot, there's always a dog there. I think you can bring your dog to Home Depot. Oh my God. Cause I keep seeing dogs there and I'm like, what in the world? And then you might be able to, I think, okay. Well, you I'm should look to... up the policy. I should because people be bringing their dogs and I you keep... can bring them to Petco. Well, yeah, that I know for sure. I don't know where else. We can make you a certificate. <laughs> you just take them everywhere. Right. Like, I can't go on jury duty without my dogs. <laughs> yes, I love They're that. just in the court barking. <laughs> They're like, I'm upset, but I love this. <laughs> You're going to want to love everybody. Yeah. Yeah. Nobody's going to get any work done. No. Dog will be loving the dogs. Not. <laughs> 
All right. So the jury decides Cindy is guilty. She was convicted of first-degree intentional homicide and obstructing an officer. And she still is like, nope, I didn't do it. It was those other people. And... <laughs> For some reason, her sentencing took a really long time because she was convicted on October 26th of 2021. And she was sentenced on June 8th of 2022 to life in prison without the possibility of parole. And as you can probably guess, she is going to be appealing. She is currently in the process of beginning her appeal. So transcripts have been ordered and all that stuff. And I feel like she was already prepared for that. She's like... She looks very, very sad. Oh. Oh. Which, if she didn't kill her husband, is sad. But and if this is this whole thing is true and nobody's believing her, then I'd be really sad and frustrated too. Yeah, but I would also be sad if I killed someone and got caught and had to go to prison. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Either way, it's a sad situation for sure. But I don't think that the family believes her nonsense. Pretty it's sure. It's hard to believe. It's hard to believe. Well, definitely. It's, yeah. I mean, strange, crazy stories do happen in Wisconsin, as we've learned. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah. Definitely. I mean, we don't... We weren't there. No. Nobody was there. Except for maybe... Not five, Butch. Butch five, was definitely not there. <laughs> five, five random people. Right. Or, or lonely Cindy. Yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say probably Cindy. Probably Cindy, yeah. Sorry, Cindy. the jury reviewed the evidence and decided yeah, I'm going to probably mean, put my trust know. in them. They would know. They know more than we do. Yeah, absolutely. I'm going to trust their judgment on this one. Yeah. Yeah, I think so too. Alright, well, great job. Thank you. <laughs> Anything else today? I, I think that's a wrap. I think that's a wrap too. Have a good week, guys. Bye. We love you. All the Sins of Wisconsin was written, recorded, edited, and produced by Fallon and Mims. Thank you so much to all of our listeners, supporters, friends, and family that continually allow us to do what we love. If you love our show as much as we love you, please give us a glowing rating and review. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram to see what we are up to and email us your sinner tales at allthesinsofwi at gmail.com. Episodes of All the Sins of Wisconsin are available for free wherever you listen to podcasts. And don't Don't forget, forget, we we love you. you.